Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. Hello, welcome to the New Vision Podcast. My name is Adi Fred Max. Now, this is our second episode where our undercover journalist gets trafficked, sold in a Dubai slave market, works as a slave, escapes and returns home to tell a harrowing story. So if you missed our first episode, be sure to go to www.newvision.co.ug and catch up. Sit tight and take a listen. As early as 5 a.m. on January 22nd, I take a border border from Kampala to Entebbe. I am dressed in a new dress, have a new hairstyle, and look like someone who can afford to travel to Dubai on a holiday. Nusra sends me the phone number of the airport contact with whom I am supposed to deposit 500,000 shillings. The number is 0773-152928 in the name of Tadeo Ategeka. She says he is a highly placed police officer who deals with all agents. She asked me to send her a picture showing how I am dressed. I do. At exactly 6 a.m., I am at the airport. Nusra tells me to wait in the tents marked meters and greeters until someone calls me. I am to keep my earphones in my ears and someone will guide me on what to do over the phone. I am to do exactly as I am told without asking any questions whatsoever. Within no time, the number 0773-152928, on which I deposited the 500,000 shillings, calls me. The person on the other end tells me to keep my earphones in my ears and follow his instructions to the dot. He also asked me not to call him if the call breaks, but rather to wait for him to call me again. In the tents with me are other girls in their mid-twenties carrying backpacks. I suspect they are part of the group being trafficked. They are also on phone with earphones, as if they too are receiving instructions just like I was. Tadeo calls and tells me to go up the stairs to the departure lounge where he assures me the officers at the entrance are expecting me. The other girls in the tent also get up and follow me. The two officers at the entrance ask to see my passport. I also show them my visa on a separate sheet of paper and the ticket. They let me go through. Once inside, we are checked through metal detectors. Then we line up to go to the counters for checking in and receiving boarding passes. But while in the queue to the counters, one of the girls I had seen seated in a tent earlier is asked by an officer to step aside. Tadeo, who seems to be watching from a distance, tells me through the phone not to worry. But when I reach the officer, he looks at my passport, visa and air ticket and also asks me to step aside. He is a tall, slim, chocolate-skinned man in a white uniform shirt. I ask him if there is anything wrong and he says I should stay calm as he verifies my documents. I stay there with the other girl, embarrassed and attracting attention for about 10 minutes. The officer then takes our documents to another gentleman, who I later hear being referred to as William. William peruses through my visa and ticket, asks me what my destination is and who invited me. He then goes over to a portly man seated at a desk, and the two talk for about three minutes while viewing my documents. William then returns and asks why I do not have a return ticket. I tell him my cousin had promised to send it, but had not by the time I came. 
He tells me to inform my cousin that unless he sends the return ticket, it will be difficult for me to travel. He also says the ticket has to be with Kenya Airways. Immediately, Nusura comes online as if she is following what is going on. She tells me not to worry as she has sent me a return ticket on my WhatsApp. In less than a minute, my WhatsApp indicates I have a new message. It is a picture of my return ticket. I show it to the slim man who tells me he has to verify it first. I imagine the deal has failed, but Tadeo is online assuring me everything will be okay. Soon after, the slim man returns to say he has confirmed the return ticket is genuine. I wonder how, because the Dubai agent later confides in me that the ticket is just a dummy. Maybe there is an understanding between these officers. The airport officer then stamps my passport and tells me to proceed to Kenya Airways counter to check in. Then, boarding pass in hand, I head to the immigration gate for the final hurdle. Tadeo then calls to ask if I have my boarding pass, and when I say I do, he tells me to make sure I only go to the bespectacled woman at the immigration table. The woman receives my passport, asks me two questions about my year of birth and my destination, but does not seem interested in my answers. She tells me to put my fingers on the electronic machine and then stamps in my passport, and just like that, I am through. But my feeling of victory is short-lived. As I wait in the boarding lounge, a premonition weighs me down. I have gone through Entebbe Airport by fraud. How will I manage Dubai Airport when I have not been given my medical certificates and yellow fever card? What if I'm arrested at Dubai Airport? What if my employer, who is supposed to pick me up at the airport, does not show up? What if I need to return immediately? What will I do with a fake return ticket? How will Vision Group rescue me if I land into trouble? How can I risk this much traveling without enough money to buy my own ticket? Anxiety overwhelms me, tears well up in my eyes and run down my cheeks. If this is a premonition, it is spot on. The worst is to come. There is nothing impossible in Uganda. The way I beat the airport system that should have stopped me from traveling to Dubai on a flimsy reason with a fake visa and without any documents for the journey is baffling. It cost me a mere 500,000 shillings. On January 22nd, I checked in through immigration at Entebbe Airport into the boarding area on a fake identity being trafficked to Dubai to work as a housemaid. Then, as I am chest-thumping over beating the system, I realize that other airports may not be as corrupt. That scares me a little. I paid for but did not get medical certificates and a yellow fever vaccination card. What if I get stopped or arrested at Dubai Airport? I telephoned Tadeo who helped me through Entebbe Airport about the forms, but he denies having them. He says his job was to see me through the airport, and now that he did his part, I should never call him again. He then hangs up the phone. When I call Nusura, she hangs up the phone without a word. I also discovered that Monica had blocked me on Facebook and WhatsApp when I tried reaching out to her. What does that mean? What if the employer supposed to pick me at the airport does not show up? What if I need to return immediately? What will I do with a fake return ticket? How can I risk this much without enough money to buy my own ticket? At this point, I am scared. As we are way to board the plane, 
I see the same officer who stopped me earlier come towards me. Is he going to arrest me? Then he hands me a printout of my air ticket and leaves without saying a word. Where did he get it from? Wasn't this the man who queried my documents? Several things are not adding up. Anxiety overwhelms me. Suddenly, tears well up in my eyes and now I am crying. My anxiety is quickly set aside when I join several other girls who I had seen in the meters and greeters tent on the same flight. I then conclude that just like me, they are also being trafficked to Dubai because it appears it is their first time to travel. The girls' English is not polished. They speak mostly Luganda and Unyankore. They are shabbily dressed and are scared of taking even a step, preferring to wait for others to take a step before they follow. The girls narrate about the experiences of being given the wrong tickets. Some say it was William who took away their wrong tickets and gave them the genuine ones after they reached the airport. They say they are going to Dubai to become housemaids. They claim the woman who got them the deal is Amina Nachitemba and that she was around the airport as they checked in. They describe her as a dreadlocked woman who was standing at the departure section. They say she resides in Dubai and takes many people to the city regularly. They are excited and describe the trip as the journey of hope. To them, the biggest hurdle to their journey to wealth was the airport security system which they had beaten. What remains is meeting their employers at the airport in Dubai before making their first ever million Ugandan shillings. Thank you for listening and this brings us to the end of our second episode where our undercover journalist gets trafficked, sold in a Dubai slave market and manages to come back home. If you missed the previous episode, please go to www.newvision.co.ug and be sure to look out for our next episode on Friday right here. Stay safe and God bless you. You've been listening to the New Vision podcast. The New Vision